Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. I just want to say welcome. Uh, Thanks for joining us from wherever you are joining us online today. Uh, Hopefully you're gathering with some friends and family, having a watch party, engaging with the worship. I hope you're not just sitting down, but you're actually standing up and participating, engaging as we worship together. Uh, If you have a Bible today, go ahead and grab that. If not, there is a Bible located right there in the online platform. There's also a place that you are able to take notes. And so if you're ready to go, you're ready to get into God's Word, why don't you go ahead and do like a a thumbs up emoji or something in the comment section on the online platform. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says this, that therefore since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We, we started this series called Running with Giants, talking about these giants, these great men and women of the faith that have gone before us who are, who are this crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. And so what would those giants tell us if they were able to come out of that crowd and get in our race What would their instruction be? What would the advice be that they would give us as we are running the race that we are in? And so today I want to continue that series. How many of you have ever asked the question, and if you're a parent, you've been asked this question maybe several times, but here's the question, are we there yet? You've been asked that question, are we there yet? Maybe it was on a summer road trip, maybe it was headed to to grandma's house, maybe it was just going down to to Pittsburgh, but you've been asked the question, are we there yet? Maybe you're asking that question uh, in regards to the coronavirus outbreak. Are we there yet? When is this thing going to be over? Have we reached the peak of this? Are we there yet? And I would say no matter where you're going, you want to know, are we there yet? In fact, right now, why don't you go ahead and engage with someone in the room with you and ask them, are we there yet? Uh, In fact, you know, do it with a little attitude, like a seven-year-old. Give a little eye roll. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because all of us want to get to the destination in life. We've planned for it, uh, especially if it is a vacation and we are going someplace. We want to arrive at our destination. In fact, I found that in life, it's one of the questions that we, we ask the most. Are we there yet? We get so focused on getting there, the destination. But I'm going to propose to you today that it's not just about where you are going, but it's about how you get there. That God doesn't just want us to focus on getting there on the destination, but maybe that there are some things in the journey that he would like to show us. Don't get me wrong. The destination is great. Like we should be advancing, we should be moving forward in our life. That God's word tells us we are to move from victory to victory, from glory to glory. That we should be moving forward in our Christian life. But I think sometimes we get so focused on the destination, on where you know we want God to, to take us, or we get so focused on where we are currently that we hate it here, that we wish you know we could be someplace better, that that we want to get to the dream that God has given us in our hearts, but it's possible for us to get so focused on the destination that we entirely miss the journey and miss what God wants to do in and through our lives in the, the journey. In other words, it's not just about the big events in our lives, 
It's about the processes. It's about the journey. I hate road trips, by the way. Anybody else hate, hate road trips? Man, I hate road trips. We drove to Hilton Head a couple different times, which is about 13 hours of a drive, which is also 12 more hours than I want to spend in a car with my children. I love my children. I just don't want to drive in a car with them that long. In fact, I understand now why some species of animals eat their young. Come on, somebody. But my preference is if it's any further than maybe like Cedar Point distance, like two and a half hours or, or four hours kind of max, my preference is I just want to grab a coffee, get a, a book, head to my gate, and whenever they announce, you know, now loading all zones, all passengers, then I want to get on the plane. I just want to get on the plane, turn the iPad on for my, my kids. I just want to hurry up and get to my destination. Anybody else just want to get there? How many of you wish that life was more like that in the sense that it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a road trip as much as it was a, an airline trip, that you could get to where you want to go quickly, or that we want life to be like an elevator ride. We want God to take us up. He wants to, to elevate us from where we are to where we want to be. I remember the first time I was in New York City, was in high school uh, with a group of, of students, and we took a trip to the Empire State Building. And some of you have been there, and you, you get in these long lines to go up, you know, to the top that you think is the top, but it's really not the top. And when you finally get to the top, there's another elevator that would take you to a higher observation deck. And there was this uh, long line waiting for that next elevator. And I didn't want to wait in the line, and someone pointed out to us that there were some stairs that you could climb up. And, and maybe some of you have been in the stairwell, but you took a bunch of stairs up to a platform, and then he took some more stairs up to the next platform and, and more stairs up to the, the next platform after, after that. You would go through these steps to get to another stage. And this is what I've discovered. I think God works more like this in our life. That he uses these steps and these stages that we, we move up from, from where we are uh, up a, a group of steps to another stage in our life. And he moves us up further to another stage after that. Because our God really is advancing us. He wants to do that. How many of you know that God is advancing you? That he wants to take you to greater and greater places. But I submit that he does it in steps and in stages. Not in elevators or planes. That it's a process, a journey to get there. So here's the, here's the deal. Many of us want to skip those steps and stages in our life. And just move on up to where we believe God wants to take us. But I've learned that if you, if you skip some of those steps and stages, then you're going to arrive at a platform that God has for you completely unprepared for that place because you did not pick up some of the tools uh, and, that would enable you to handle that new platform because how many of you know your drive can take you places that your character cannot keep you there? It cannot hold you in that, that new place. And we intuitively know this in life that we cannot skip some steps and stages in life. How many of you have been around someone who is, who is pregnant? That, and that's not a trick question. Like we know if the pregnancy doesn't go to full term, right, it could be dangerous for the child. We, we understand that. In fact, some doctors will put some ladies on bed rest because they don't want to take a chance of that baby coming prematurely. Why is that? Because there are some things that are still in development that would increase the potential for difficulties if that baby arrived too soon. I just wonder if anybody watching today, 
has had any dreams or any hopes or plans that got pushed out prematurely. And because of that, you went through great difficulty when you got those. I wonder if you so wanted the, the relationship, you so badly wanted to be in a relationship that you jumped into it too early, that you gave birth to something too early, that you rushed it, and now you're talking divorce. Now it's, it's broken and falling apart, and it's not staying together because you wanted to skip, are you with me, some steps and some stages. You wanted, you wanted an elevator romance, and so you pushed too early. Or, or maybe if some of you pushed too early financially speaking, that you wanted the thing so bad that you, you made the purchase before you went through the, the process and the steps of being able to save and afford that thing. And now you got it, and you're wondering, how am I going to pay for it? Because you skipped some steps and stages. Some things in life, listen to me, you cannot push too early. Because if you do, you're going to get to the place that God wants to take you and not be prepared for it. You're going to try skipping some steps and stages. And so because God doesn't work that way, maybe the question that we should be asking isn't, are we there yet? Maybe the question is not about just getting to the destination. Maybe the question that we should be asking is, will I be prepared when I get there? Not how much further, not how much longer, or not, God, I just want to get married, or I, got, I just need this, I want to rush into this, this career, I just want to get to the destination. Maybe the question isn't, God, are we there yet, but God, am I going to be fully prepared when I get there? So that when I do get there, that I, I thrive in that, that place, not just survive. So Joshua, come on out of the crowd today and help us. Out. Now, I'm going to give you three things I believe he would share with us as we run our race through these steps and stages of life. Number one is this. Write it down. You've got to make a shift. You've got to make a shift. Somebody say shift. You've got to be careful when you're saying that, by the way, wherever you are. You've got to make a shift. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, so this is Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will be extended from the desert in Lebanon, from the great river, from the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you. All the days of your life, and as I was with Moses, check this out, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And then he says this, be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very, somebody say very, very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. How many of you want to be successful wherever you go? The first thing you have to do is there has to be a shift. There has to be a shift. So here's what's happening in this text. Moses has led the nation of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. They have been in captivity for hundreds of years, and God calls him out, tells him that he's going to be the guy to lead the nation of Israel out of 
Egypt, and God equips Moses to do it. So, by the way, you should know, God will never call you to do something without equipping you to do it. And then remember the whole uh, Pharaoh and the, the ten plagues and the whole let my people go. And so Moses got the nation of Israel. They crossed over the Red Sea. And so Moses led the people out of Egypt. But because Moses disobeyed God and how God called him to lead, he forfeited the opportunity to lead the people all the way into the promised land. And then, then God took Moses up on a mountain. He got to see the promised land, but then Moses died. And the Bible says that, that, that God buried Moses. No one knows where Moses was buried, but God buried him. And so he wasn't able to lead the people into the promise. So now it's Joshua's turn. Joshua's up. And God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua, it's up to you. Now's your chance. Don't blow it, because last time I had the people at the doorstep of the promised land, they spent an additional 40 years, right, wandering around the desert. So no pressure. Like, how would you uh, like that call? It's your turn now. Don't mess it up. There has to come a moment in all of our lives as we move from these, these steps and stages that a shift takes place. And that shift that is happening in the life of jo Joshua, Joshua is going from Moses' aid, right, to leader. He's going from follower, the guy uh, who would follow the guy leading the nation, to now the guy that was going to be the leader of the nation. And there has to come a time in your life where you shift from follower to leader. There has to come a time in your life where you stop looking at someone else or looking uh, to everyone else to lead, and you start leading. And you know that this had to be pretty intimidating for Joshua because after all, he's following Moses. Like Moses was, was the man. There was no one like Moses. He, he saw that Moses could, could take his staff and, and throw it down and become a snake and then pick it up and, and it would turn back to a staff again. Moses was a bad mamma jamma. Moses was the, the guy who, who parted the waters. He was the guy that spoke to the rock and, and water came out. He was the, the, the guy that Right took, took the nation of Israel through the desert all the way to the, the doorstep of the promised land. And so now Joshua has to make a shift from being the follower of the man of God to being the man of God himself for the nation. And I submit this shift has to take place for all of us. If not, you'll end up wandering through this life, never reaching your full potential never reaching the, the, the promise that God has for you. And if you're ever going to lead something, which, by the way, you're all leading something. You should know that. I'm not just talking about leading a nation, uh, leading you know, a, a big thing. I'm talking about leading in your family. I'm talking about leading in your marriage, leading in school, leading with your friends, leading in the classroom, leading in the office. Like, if, if you're ever going to become a leader... It begins with leading yourself. There has to be this, this shift. See, what I've learned is some people just want a, a platform without the preparation that it takes to get there. I've had people ask me before, hey, hey, you know, Colby, can I come, you know, speak at your church? I want to speak to your people. And I'm like, no. Like, you can't even get out of bed on time. Like, why on earth would I want you to lead and speak to all these people? People want a platform, but they can't even lead themselves. 
You can't even pay your bills talking about how you want to be the the CEO of a corporation, right? If you can't lead yourself, you're going to have a really difficult time leading others. So you have to start by being faithful to where God has you because faithfulness attracts the favor of God. Listen, you want the favor of God in your life. You want God to elevate you and accelerate you in areas of your life. You want to walk in the place of of blessing in your life, then you have to find yourself being first faithful in the little things that he's given you to do. And when you find yourself faithful in the little things, he will bless you with the the greater things. But it starts with faithfulness. you got to show up day after day, time after time. When no one's applauding you, by the way, when no one's patting you on on the back, you got to show up. Faithfulness unlocks the favor of God. You want God to be, you know, God to give you favor in your finances? Well, you got to save money. You got to create margin. You got to honor God with your first and best. And when no one's patting you on the back, right, that you use cash only for the last three months, you have to remain faithful. Are you with me? You have to, you want favor in your marriage? You got to date your wife. You got to be the man that you are called to be, to step up and lead. It's faithfulness that attracts the favor of God. And I think what we failed to realize is that Joshua had been faithful. Like Joshua was not an overnight success. You know that, don't you? Like sure, his title as leader is something that happened overnight, overnight but his ability to lead did not develop overnight. It was years and years in the making. It wasn't, all right, well, let's, let's, it's Joshua's term. Why, let's just give Joshua a chance. No. It was Joshua because Joshua had been prepared. His, his leadership had been being developed. It was Joshua that, that sat outside the tent of meeting when Moses would go into the tent and meet with, with God. And the Bible tells us that after Moses would leave the tent, right, that, that the glory of God would fall on that place and that Joshua could not move himself from that place because he wanted to sit there where the glory of God was. Joshua would stay outside the tent, because there was glory on that place. He was not an overnight success. He was a, a leader that was taking years in the making to get there. Joshua would sit at the base of the mountain. When Moses would climb up on the mountain to, to meet with God, he was not an overnight success. What Joshua was, was faithful day after day and time after time. In fact, here's something you should know, that the pattern of the character of God throughout God's word is that God will take faithfulness over talent all day long. Did you know that? He'll take faithfulness, faithful people over riches. He'll take faithfulness over talent because it's faithfulness that attracts the favor of God in your life. You want to move up to the the steps and stages in your life? There's got to be a shift that happens inside of you. you got to move from seeing yourself as a follower, right, to a, a leader, a leader. You gotta find yourself faithful in the the little things. Find yourself faithful in the house of God. Find yourself faithful in serving others. Find yourself faithful in in, in the word of God and getting in his word. Find yourself faithful in generosity. If you're looking for God's favor in your life, he's looking for your faithfulness. Joshua couldn't see himself as Joshua the assistant anymore. He had to see himself differently. He had to see himself as Joshua now, the leader, the man of God. 
He had to see himself as, as Joshua, the man who had to stand up in front of the nation of Israel, perhaps in this season of mourning and grieving the loss of, of a great leader, Moses. Um, stand up as a leader in a season of, of doubt and fear and worry. He had to stand up and say, God's called me to step up and lead, and he's going to equip me to do it, so I need to move. Can I tell you something? Some of you are not leading because you have placed limits on a limitless God. You can't see yourself the way that God sees you. And God sees you, by the way, as a priest, as a king, as a child of God. He sees you as the, the head, not the tail, as the beginning, not the end. There's gotta be this holy confidence that starts to rise up inside of you that says, God has called me to lead. And if God's called me to do this, then God's going to equip me along the way. And check this out, Moses, or Joshua, Joshua couldn't get up with Moses' staff and lead like Moses. Are you kidding me? He couldn't, he couldn't imitate Moses. Like there was only one Moses. However, don't, don't miss this, and this is going to help somebody out today, that there is a season when you're making this shift that you do imitate until you can innovate. Like you, you imitate until you can get your own legs underneath you, until you can establish and figure out how you're going to lead. Like, listen, you got to find a leader. You got to find someone that you like, someone that you, you want to be like, and you start imitating them until God gives you the strength to find out who you are. And then you can innovate what God wants to do in and through your life. Uh, there's this thing with people. I don't know if it's just a church kind of culture thing, uh, but people are like, well, I'm not going to do anything unless I can be an original. Can I tell you something? Those people don't ever do anything. The people that sit back and say, well, I won't, I'm not going to do it until I can, I can be a, an original, they never get anything accomplished. I'll give you a little secret. I study how T.D. Jakes gives a message. I study Stephen Furtick. I study all these great uh, communicators of God's word. In fact, I tell people all the time, if I ever said anything good, it didn't come from me. Probably came from my wife, more than likely. But it didn't come from me because I'm a student. I'm constantly learning from some amazing communicators. There was one Easter that I remember uh, the night before Easter when we were still portable, meeting at Harding School, that I watched how Billy Graham would deliver an invitation. And I studied it. I watched how he would do it, watched what he would say, watched, you know, under, like wanted to capture his inflections and the way, because here's a great man of God that God used in amazing ways to reach, you know, thousands and thousands of people, but I imitated until I could innovate. Like I imitated until I, I understood what my voice was and what my strength was, how God has uniquely designed me. I'm just here to tell somebody, you imitate until you can innovate. Don't sit back and say, I'm not going to do anything until I can be the original. Again, you will never do anything. I will take personally effectiveness in preaching the gospel over originality all day long. Because you can be an original and still suck. Just throwing that out there. But now it was Joshua's turn. And here's what God said to him in verse 5. Just like I was with Moses, I will be with you. He didn't say, Joshua, go and do it like Moses, because you're not Moses. But he said, just like I was with him, I'm going to be with you. Here's, here's some great news for us. 
that when we begin to, to shift and move from being a, a follower to a leader, we, we can begin to shift our perspective and we can begin to see our, our lives as God has called us to be, not through the lens of insecurities or fears or doubts or worries, but through this promise right here that God will be with us. He said, lead like you lead, like you do you, but you should know that God is going to be with you. So the same God, by the way, that parted the waters, he's going to be with you. When you're facing an obstacle of your own, when you're facing a raging river in your own life, the same God that was with Moses when he spoke to the rock and water came out will be the same God who will be with you when you are lacking resource, when you are lacking supply, that God will meet your needs. He's saying God's going to be with you. Like, do it like you do it. You're not Moses, but God is going to be with you. There has to be a a shift. Number two, you've got to step on it. Because God said to Joshua in verse three, he said, Joshua, you're going to lead these people, and everywhere that you set your foot, everywhere that you step, just as I promised Moses, I'm going to give it to you. Everywhere that you step, I'm going to give it to you. Notice what God didn't say. Joshua, I'm going to give this to you, and then you're going to step on it. I'm going to give it to you, and then you put your foot on it. No, there's a clear distinction. The order of these events matters. He didn't say, Joshua, I'm just going to hand over the promised land to you, the land that's flowing with milk and honey, your destiny that I have for the, the, my people of Israel. Uh, in other words, he's saying, I'm not just going to give it to you, and then you put your foot on it. He's saying, you're going to put your foot on it first, and then I'm going to give it to you. Here's what we learned from this. As we move through the, the steps and the stages in our life, you can't advance passively. Like, you got to know that. You can't advance towards the thing that God has for you, the promise that he has for you, just sitting on the couch, just waiting. No, you've got to get up. You've got to start taking your, your steps towards what it is that God has for your life. Like if God has a career in mind for you, then what steps do you need to take? What do you need to, to put your foot on in order to get that career? Listen, the favor of God does not mean that God's just going to give you the job or put you in a position that you can't handle it or give you a career that you can't do. The favor of God means he'll open a door for you to go to college. The favor of God means he'll, he'll help you figure out a way to pay for it. The favor of God means he'll, he'll enable you to be able to stay up all night, get some Red Bull and coffee and caffeine and pull in an all-nighter so that you can go to class the next, next day and, and pass the test. That's what the favor of God looks like. The favor of God doesn't mean that God will give you a job that you cannot do. The favor of God means he'll open a door for you to go to college that he'll, he'll give you a way to, to pay for school. That's the favor of God. The favor of God will, will give you the ability to pull all-nighters, right, to get some Red Bull and some, some coffee and stay up all night and study, and so the next day you go to class, you can pass the test. That's what the favor of God looks like. like the favor of God is enabling you to interview well so that when you do get the job, you can get your first paycheck in your hand. Why? That's the favor of God. Because as you put your foot on the thing that God has given you, he will, he will give that to you, and then you take the next step. And then you take the next step after that. He did not say, Joshua, favor looks like this. I'm just going to hand it over. I'm going to give you whatever you want. I think some of us have turned the blessings and favor of God into a formula. That if we just come to church, 
Right? If we just gather together, if we just, you know, pray, if we just sing a few songs and the blessings and the favor of God is going to flow in our life, it doesn't work that way. It's a step. You have to put your foot down. You have to step on some things. And here's what I believe. It's possible for us to give up territory, for us to give up some promises that, that God has, has given us because we approached that promise from a passive position, that we haven't been aggressively taking the territory that God wants to give us, that we've, we've thought that, well, if God wants me to have this, then he's just going to, to give it to me. That's not what God said. He said, first, you got to step on it. First, you got to put your foot down on it, and then I will give it to you. And some of you listen to me, you need to step on some things in your life. You need to step on some things in your marriage because you need to take back some ground that the enemy wants to take from you. You've been sitting back, you've been passive going, well, if God wanted this relationship to get better, then it would just get better. It doesn't work that way. You need to put your foot on it. Are you with me? You need to take a step on some areas in your life. You need to say, enough is enough. I'm taking back the territory that God has, the promise that God has for my life. I'm going to step on it. Some of you need to step on some things in your life, especially in this season, uh, some intangible things like joy. You need to stop being so negative and so, so critical and say, you know what, I know that God wants me to have joy in my life, so I'm going to put my foot on, I'm going to step on joy and take what belongs to me in Christ Jesus who said by the way in John 15 10 that these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full I'm not waiting for God to give me financial peace I'm going to step on it I'm going to I'm going to take hold of it because I'm going to put my foot on the promises that God does not want me to be a a slave to the, the lender that he wants me to be free in my finances. So I'm going to honor him. I'm going to put him first. I'm going to give him my first and my best, and he will bless the rest. Are you with me? You have to step on it. You can't advance passively towards the promises that God has for your life. And so he said to Joshua, take those people, and wherever you set your foot, wherever you step, I'm going to give you that land. Listen, if I could give you one thing that I believe Joshua would tell us today, that is to stop giving up territory you've already been given. Like you got to step on it. You got to put your foot on some things. You got you to get your fight back in some areas of your life because there's an enemy of your soul and he has not lost his fight. You should know that. And so some of us, we need to get our fight back. Listen, today as a nation, we are, we're in a fight. We're fighting against fear. We're fighting against doubt. We're, we're fighting against this this sense of uncertainty in all that is happening in our world, and the enemy has not lost his fight. So you need to get your fight back. You need to get some courage back. You need to straighten up your, your shoulders. You need to get your, your head up and say, I am a child of God, and I'm going to put my foot down on some things that God has given me. I'm going to put my foot down on joy, on peace, come on, on, on forgiveness, on freedom. I'm going to get my fight back today. Which leads to the last thing I want to give you, and that is you got to face the fight. You got to get your fight back because there's a fight coming. What did God say to Joshua? Verse 6 Be strong and courageous. Why would God tell someone to be strong and courageous unless there was something that they needed strength and courage for? He says, Be strong and courageous. And then, verse 7, he says, Be strong and 
very courageous. In other words, he, he emphasized that we're going to need this courage. Why? Because it's not going to be easy. If God's saying to Joshua, be, be strong and courageous, the assumption is then there's going to be a fight that there's going to be some trouble coming our way. And I don't want you to be caught off guard by this, that when you step on some things, when you try to take over the territory that God has given you, you put your foot down, the enemy's gonna come after you. Like you need to know that there's going to be a fight. The enemy's not gonna say, oh, well, just God bless you. Come on in, take, take whatever promise God has for your life. He's not gonna say that. When you step on the territory God has given you, there will be a fight. And you're going to have to face the fight. But he says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Here's what God is saying. Joshua, there can't be any quit in you. And I think that's the word of God for us today, that there can't be any quit in us. In this day of confusion, in this day of, of the fear of the unknown, there can't be any quit in us. If we're going to reach the full potential that God has for, us, for our life, if we're going to be able to take hold of the promise he has, there can't be any quit. And so when you feel like quitting, right, that's when you get into your small group and you get connected to people in your life. You surround yourself with people who have less quit in you than you have in that moment. Because how many of you know that there are some times in your life where you got more quit in you and you need some people in your life that have less quit in you? And there are some times that, that, that you have less quit in you, that you need to be there for someone who has a little more quit. It depends on the season. And you've got to get around people that will hold you up in the moment you have some, some quit. Now, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you there's been times and seasons in ministry that I felt the, the weight and the pressure over the last eight years of things that seem unsurmountable. This is one of them. The season that we are, are in but it was during those times that God was getting the quit out of me, that I would let nothing stand in the way of the vision that he had birthed in our heart. So here's what he said to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Here's the deal. You gotta learn that what God spoke to you and you had faith for it in the moment, you're gonna have to fight for when the battle starts to rage. That God's promises for your life are not for the, the good times in life. They're not for the, the feel-good moments in church. They are for your life on Monday. They are for your life on Tuesday. They, the, the promises God has for your life are when school is closed, when, when you're trying to figure out what to do, when work is cutting back on your hours. They're the promises for the moments that you need them the most. And the enemy just starts launching darts in your direction and going after you. And what you have faith for, maybe right now, as you gather together and we're, we're engaging together with church online, what you have faith for right now, you're going to have to fight for out there. But here's what he said, be strong and courageous, Joshua. Just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Here's the last thing I wanna give you. And I think Joshua's encouraged to us in this race that we are in is that if God is with you, who can be against you? If God is with you, if God is for you, then what can be against you? What can overtake you in your life? It may look like this thing that we are up against is gonna run us over, back up and run us over again. But if God is with you, who can be against you? 
right? If God is for you. And I believe that we are in this season of, of shifting as a church. And you're in a season of shifting as well. And you have to shift from, from being a, a follower to a leader, a leader in your home, a leader in your, your workplace, a leader with, with how you're going to, to confront this, this season that we are in. You gotta step on some things in your life. You gotta take back the territory that the enemy wants to take from you. You have to face the fight. That God said to be strong and courageous because a fight is coming. And what you have faith for in the moment, you're gonna have to fight for when the battle rages. But if you fight for it and you step on it and you make this shift from being a leader to a follower, then the promise will be yours. And when you get to the destination, you'll have everything that you need. You'll be prepared to handle all that God has for your life. Wherever you are right now, would you bow your head and pray with me? God, we're asking that today through this word, through Joshua's life, you would speak to our hearts. And you would meet us, God, wherever we are. In fact, while we're praying, I have just two questions for you. One is, what is God saying to you? What's God telling you about the season that you're in with your family, the season that you're in with your work, the season of, of uncertainty? How will you step up and be a, a leader and not a follower? There has to be a shift, and the, the first shift that needs to take place is that shift inside yourself. So what's, what's God saying to you? That's the first question. The second question, I guess then, is what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you gonna be strong and courageous and take hold of the promises that God has for you? What can you put your foot on that the enemy has tried to steal from you, the territory that, that he's tried to take from you? What is it that you need to put your foot on and take back? What are you going to do about it? There's also uh, maybe another group of you while we're praying that you have never crossed the line of faith and said yes to following Jesus. And I wanna give you a chance to do that right now from wherever you are. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And so maybe you've never allowed Jesus to pay for your sins. I wanna give you a chance to do that right now. I wanna lead you in a prayer that kinda helps you make that decision. If you would just pray this with me, Jesus, today, I give you my life. Thank you for, for dying for my sin. God, I want the purpose and the plan that you have for me, but I know it starts with surrendering first to you. I can't say thank you enough for, for the freedom that comes with this free gift of grace given to me through Jesus. And so I receive that freely. Thank you that I could do nothing, God, to, to get to you, but you did it all to get to me through your son. So I'm today I'm trusting in the promise of eternal life that I can take hold of that as soon as I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior and God that you raised him from the dead because he gave his life for my sin. I confess you as Lord and as Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. 
If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.